Welcome to another episode of The Student Manager. It's Fonger News, and we have the honor to be with a Reb, Ole Miss, class of 21 at Modern Day, good friend of Julia's, but she didn't go to Wisconsin. She ended up in Oxford. Mm-hmm. Oxford, Mississippi. So where should we start? Should we talk about, like, I, I know you applied to like several schools and it's a wide cast. And then eventually we picked on Ole Miss. So let's talk about why you decided on Ole Miss, because we're trying to help high school students and parents with the college search and admission process. And I know your other sister goes to Bama and Tuscaloosa, but you decided on Ole Miss and Oxford. Why? Well, the initial school was Alabama. I was a diehard Roll Tide fan for all of high school. But then once admission process came along and I was trying to branch out into where I would see myself other than Alabama, I ended up on banking on both of the Arizona schools. And then I was looking more into the SEC and then I looked in Big Ten and then in Pac-12. So I was looking all over the board. But then once I slowly made my way to SEC, when I was narrowing down where I could see myself for the next four years... I found myself in Oxford and I wouldn't have it any other way. A lot of people from here in Southern California are applying to schools in the South because they can't get into California, mm-hmm. right? So um, you looked at Big Ten, you looked at Pac-12, you're banking on the Arizona schools, but ultimately, like, what did you like about Ole Miss? The sense of community was more of a welcoming town than it was unlike any other place I've ever been to school-wise. So when I went and I visited for the first time, I only went for one day. So I was there for less than 24 hours because I did a big Southern tour. So when I went, every single person I had met and talked to gave me their honest opinion of the place. And I heard the same thing across every single person who might have never known each other. And each person said they could not have seen themselves anywhere else because of how welcoming and how much people care about each other at that place. And it's just like a family. Did you go during football season or did you go during the spring? I went during football season. So I was in Oxford of October during my senior year of high school. Did you take an official campus tour? I did, yes. So I did a tour. I went on um, a Tuesday. So it was just before game weekend. But I went on a tour. I saw the whole thing in detail. And I just knew right then before I even went to visit Alabama, Auburn and Georgia, I was like, I knew right away. So you went on a SEC tour, senior fall year, October, Tuesday was Oxford. And then you proceeded to go to Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa, because your sister's there. Mm -hmm. And that's where you had your sights set on. So people that are looking between Ole Miss and Alabama, what did you, what did you not like about Bama? Or what did you like about it? But what you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, what yeah, was the difference? Yeah, so when I was comparing the two, like in the sense of pros and cons, it was more of the sense of, will I see a familiar face every time I walk to class or will I see a new person each time that I have never seen before in my life? Stop. Let me take a guess. It's going to be the latter, right? hmm So I was like, <laughs> I, I literally was walking around Alabama. My sister gave me and then the three girls I was on a tour with I was walking around and I noticed like it's so big and it's so broad in the sense of like how many kids go there and where everyone's from and how diverse like 
the the plane of the school is, like how large the scale. Of, it's big. Yeah. And I was comparing that to Ole Miss when I could walk 10 minutes and get completely across campus. And it was just, it was just too big for me because I didn't want to have to leave for class an hour early to make sure I get there 10 minutes early for class. And that's one thing, you know, we just visited some schools in North Carolina with my son Joshua and looking at small schools, mid-sized schools and large schools. Ole Miss has, I believe, enrollment undergrad 17,000. Yeah. As compared to Alabama, which has maybe like 25, 30,000 mm-hmm. undergrad. Undergrad. So were you looking for that, more that mid-sized, not too large, but not too small? Yeah. I was looking for more of a school that would be more of a community and you would know more people than a school where there's so many people that it's hard to meet so many and like learn all these names and whatever it may be. It's just, it's more of a a family sense at Ole Miss, what I feel like with the the scale of number. And, you know, because people that are listening to this podcast are also looking at probably like ASU, U of A, Mm -hmm. high points. Like, what did you like? What did you not like that ultimately led you to the South? So I applied to U of A and ASU, and when I was looking at the two of them, I was like, okay, it's close enough to home to where it's only a flight. Like, I can get a direct flight to John Wayne. Like, it's close enough. I could even drive. Like, I could bring my car out. It's maybe an eight-hour drive at most. But when it came to the social scene and then the academic scene, it was just a way different pace than it is at, in the SEC. So what I looked at when I was going to, like, for instance, like U of A, I was going to apply to the SALT program, what they have for kids with learning disabilities, and which I've struggled with since I was in elementary school. Like, I have ADHD, I have dyslexia, I have a visual processing disorder, and it was a really big factor for me when applying to the school that I could see myself at because obviously I want to succeed in academics, but the SALT program there at U of A is unbelievable. It's, it's super, super, super helpful. Like, It's unlike any other program. But when I was comparing it to some of the programs at Alabama or at um, Ole Miss, there were just different senses of the way that the instructors and the professors went about it. So, for example, like at U of A, they don't really make a connection with the kids in the SALT program as much as they do at Ole Miss. Got it which I found super, super difficult to try and grasp because I have to personally make a connection with my professor, with my teacher, whoever it may be, in order for me to understand what I'm learning and understand what the professor is getting across to me. So I found that to be kind of a red flag in my personal opinion, just because I feel like a connection with the professor is But how did you know that with Ole Miss? Did you talk to people? So Yeah, so I have a couple friends who are now going to be juniors and they're in the SALT program, or not the SALT program, they're in student disability services. And they told me all about their experiences and their process with the whole thing. And I met with a bunch of the counselors from the disability services. And immediately I just felt like, okay, like I'm extremely comfortable here. Yeah. Like it felt comfortable. I wasn't, nothing was forced. Nothing was being pushed. And you, they release to the teachers, they go, okay, so this student is in our program. Please, like, make an effort to get to know them, get to know their Hi, learning Julia. process. How are you doing? Literally. Want to sit right no. in the front with us? Yeah, seriously. But they're cool about it. They're not going to, like, expose you to the rest of the class if you don't want to be. 
but it's awesome. I mean, in right. that sense. So let me ask you a question because uh, what happens if you don't have dyslexia? You only have ADHD. Uh, now I'm thinking selfishly like my son, he's yeah. obviously class of 24, but he's a bad, not a bad test taker, but not like Julie and Sophia. So we're looking at like test optional schools. I think because of COVID. Ole Miss is test, op test optional. And no matter what, uh, now I'm like thinking way ahead, but did it hurt you at any schools for not taking the test? Because I heard like at Auburn, it did. So I only applied to schools where it was test optional because I never took an ACT or SAT. Every time I tried to take it, I it get canceled because of COVID. Okay. And my mom was like, we're not going to Utah to take the ACT. Like, that's bizarre. So I was like, okay, I'm just not going to take it. And I lucked out because I am so happy I didn't and go through all that, like, literal pain of like doing the, the studying, studying and then and you like, might get disappointed with a low score absolutely and, and having to take it like a thousand times which is just bizarre all right so this is great for people that are listening because especially with this upcoming class of seniors right class of 23 and then eventually 24 there's a lot of schools especially in california they're all going test optional so now you're solely relying on which i think it should be academics, absolutely, right? And then a holistic approach, your essay. So let's talk about, since you did not take the test, mm -hmm. all right, out of the schools that you applied to, who did you get into? So I applied to seven schools. So it was Alabama, ASU, U of A, Ole Miss, uh, Kentucky, and UT Knox. Okay. So out of all of those schools, I got into every single one of them except for UT Knox. I got deferred. And then I just never checked if I got in or not because I was like, I just applied to have the number increased on my application list because that was what my counselor like recommended me to do. And so I never checked. So I don't know if I got in or not, but I'm going to say I got in. But. Hey, seven for seven. So those that are listening, like you don't need to be applying to 10 to 15 schools. I always say the magic oh, numbers, yeah. eight to 12, mm -hmm. have some stretch schools, have some moderates, have some safeties. Absolutely. Right. And then did you just pass on all the big 10? Yeah. I was looking at them and then I was like, eh. Did you even step foot on campus on any of them? No, I didn't. All right. So now we're very happy as a clam in Absolutely. Oxford, Southern girl. It's hard to get to. It is a pain to get to. Okay. So let's talk about, I don't know, this might be the answer, but what do you not like about Ole Miss? The travel. It's just hard to get there. And it's also, okay. So coming from here, not knowing basically anybody, you can see how sort of in the beginning, it's a lot of people know each other. From and the South. Yeah. Because everybody's from Jackson. Everybody's from Madison. Everyone's from Memphis or Arkansas or wherever it is. And so, or Atlanta, everyone knows each other already. So it's very hard to like keep up because everyone's like, oh, I know this person, this person, like X, Y, and Z persons. And I'm like, okay, I've never met these people in my life. <laughs> right. It's going to take me years to get their names. But I mean, that's probably like the hardest part for me was trying to like, like keep up with everyone who already knew every single person there. But other than that, I mean. And then the people that are from the South, you can either A, they know you're from California or you know they're from the South. Absolutely. It is so easy to tell. It's like night and day. So give a description. So. When I first sort of went out at school, people would tell me, oh, like, 
where are you from? It's kind of the initial like, hi, like my name's so-and-so, like I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, like I'm Julia, I'm from Southern California. And it's jaw on the floor. I'm, why are you here? Like, why are you in the middle of Mississippi? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like it just, it's, it's a place where you just end up and it just makes sense. But it's just funny how different you can tell because the way of life is noticeable automatically. The way they talk, obviously, but it's the way they like hold themselves and like their composure is so different. Completely different. So I visited the South a lot. I grew up in Savannah, Georgia in the summer. So I love the South. And people are like, why do you like the South so much? So what do you like about it? What do you like about their demeanor or their composure or just their their presence? For me, I love how they live so slowly. So they... You want some tea? Yeah. It's you sit, you talk for five hours, and then you finally get somewhere and you're like, oh, maybe we should go do this. But it's the way they live is so slowly and so humbly that it's not like, go, 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 selfish, like completely different than the way people are here. So everyone's going to, hi, how are you? Like make a conversation with they you. They want to sit and, down and have tea and buns. Yeah, they, exactly. They love tea and buns. <laughs> exactly. No, they want to sit down and they want to like get to know you and they want to know who you are and like why you're here and what you're doing. And it's just, it's very different, but it's very, very interesting. Average class size? Depends. So in some of my big lectures, it could be close to 300 people. And then in my smaller, like more major focus classes, it's maybe 20. How did modern day prepare you or how did modern day not prepare you for college? So when it came to preparing for college, I would say it wasn't until my last year that they really like focused on like skills you need for classes and skills you need to like be responsible adult, like living on your own. But in the sense that they didn't prepare me was for the stress and the constant work that there is. Because I feel like at Modern Day, I got a great education. I learned a ton, a ton of stuff. But it was hard because they didn't prepare me for keeping up in a big class with 300 people. Well, obviously, we wouldn't have 300 people in a class, but in the sense that there would be like that many people and the teacher is not going to stop for a question. What about study habits? Because that's what I try to emphasize with students. If you have great study habits in high school, it's going to carry over in college. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get great study habits until I went to college. So in high school, it was different because all of my exams were in person. And at school, I have online exams. I have some in-person exams. I have off-campus exams in our testing center. Like, it just, it varies where I am. But I would just say, like, the study habits have been so different from year to year. But now I've, like, slowly mastered my way because the way I'm taught in college versus the way I was taught in high school was I felt like my hand was being held in high school. They're trying, they want you to succeed and they want you to get to these places, but- That's being a monarch. That's being on the campus of modern day. They're holding your hand. They want you to succeed. Yeah. And the thing about college is like, they're going to push you so you can succeed on your own, which is just, it's very helpful, but it's very hard in the beginning. 
What's your major? I'm an integrated marketing and communications major. So Lauren Richter and I have the same major. Excellent. And this is your first summer being back at home. Do you plan to live in Oxford next summer? As of right now, yes. Because I have a lease in my apartment from July to July. And you know my dad, he's going to be like, if I'm paying for it, you're staying there. <laughs> and you're going to like Julia stayed in Madison. I said, you better find a job too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I will get a job. I'm planning on getting a job this, this semester, but it might be hard with everything going on. So when you're not studying and you're not involved in academics or game day, like what is there to do in Oxford? Oh, there's plenty to do. It's surprising because people think, what do you do in Mississippi? We go to Lake Sardis, which is maybe 30 minutes away. We go on boats or we go swimming or we do whatever it is we might do. Or we go to um, Lamar Park right near, um, right off campus. We go to the square. We go to the yard, which is like this big outdoor patio. And we all go meet our friends. People have crawfish boils. People oh, crawfish boils, low country boils. Mm-hmm. Low country boils are easily my favorite food now. Why don't you explain to people that are listening what's in a low country boil and then how do you eat it? So a low country boil, it depends on where you are in the South. So in Mississippi, it's usually going to be crawfish since we get it from Louisiana, which is only like four hours away. So in our boils, we do crawfish, has potato, it has corn, it has like onion, it has all of the best things you possibly imagine. And then it's seasoned and cooked for maybe like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And it's perfect. And you, what they do is when it's done, since it's all in a one big pot, it's like a one pot meal basically. They take it and it's pounds and pounds of food, like up to 50 pounds. They pour it on a big table with like lined with like newspaper or trash bags or whatever it is. And they just pour it out and and people stand around a table and you eat and you drink and you talk and you hang out. And it's the best feeling because you're sitting there with like 20 other people around this table, like eating finger food and just talking and having a great time. And then when you're all done, it's not like you have to clean up. You just roll up all the you newspapers the and then trash and it. Throw it in the trash. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I love Low Country Boils. I'm oh, yeah. glad you're experiencing that. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about. Either was it your fall or spring semester? Did you rush? My fall semester. So you rush before school even starts. So you spring, uh, Ole Miss is spring or quarter? Um, it's spring. So it's semesters. So you're starting in late August or early, uh, like late August. Third early week September. of August. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about the rush experience, uh, especially for sororities, those that are listening giving any advice, recommendations to a female going to college. Talk about that. So the rush process at Ole Miss is very meticulous since there are so many, not only rules, but there's so many girls that go through it. This year we have over 2,000 girls going through rush, which is absolutely insane. And I'm lucky enough because I have a couple positions in the house for California and for um, kind of like the decision process, which is I'm, I lucked out. Like, I am so grateful I have that. But it's very, very meticulous, but also broad at the same time. Since there's so many girls you have to meet, and there's so many girls that you're yet to meet that are in the houses, it's very exciting, but it's overwhelming. So it'll be 
rush for girls coming in is, I believe, eight days with a one-day break in between. So it's um, Saturday to Saturday with a Wednesday break. And um, the rounds are all day long. It starts, first round is at 9 a.m., last round's at 6 p.m. Each round's going to be 30 minutes until your last day, which is preference. And those rounds are going to be 45 to 50 minutes. And it's really exciting, but I, when I went through it, I blacked out the entire time, and I don't remember a single like thing I talked about because you're so in the moment and you're so spontaneous about who you're talking to and you're just trying to make a connection and not feel forced that it's like you're having so much fun that it's it's just a big blur what advice would you give someone that's rushing a sorority because some people come in thinking they're going to be a certain house Mm -hmm. right so I always say you should be open-minded so talk talk about that so I mean since I knew nothing about anything coming in I was extremely open-minded I was like okay like even if the super Southern houses don't want me, I'm still going to give them the time of day and acknowledge them because I'm trying to find my people. I'm trying to find like a comfortable place for me to be so far away from home. And for girls going through Rush, I would say the most important thing for them is do not force anything. If you have a conversation, if you have a conversation with someone and you're comfortable and you're having a good time and you're genuinely having a great conversation with someone and it's not being forced, take that highly into consideration and keep that momentum and that thought process through the entire process of Rush. Because you're going to notice it's very, a lot of it is forced. A lot of it seems fake and a lot of it- fake questions. Seriously. So give a fake question. So- what philanthropy did you do in high school? <laughs> That's so fixed. Do you do you love philanthropy? Like what how many hours did you do? I don't know. I did a lot, but I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. I did NCL. Oh yeah, I did um like six thousand hours of NCL. It's all bullshit. Absolutely. It's just really fake. But it's not at the same time. I loved every girl I met, but I've had those conversations that were so forced. And I was like, what am I doing here? Why am I sitting in this chair pretending to be to, someone that you're to not? To be someone that I'm absolutely not. Like, I'm not going to sit here and fake it till I make it. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. Fake it till you make it. But at the same time, <laughs> you got to be, like, it sounds so cliche, but be yourself. Like, if you are someone that you're not in rush, you're never going to find your people. Great advice. So, Pref, the final Final two houses. Who did you I pref? had um, Alpha Phi and I had Kappa. And so, and I had, so first round of prep starts at noon and then the last round is at six. I had first round of the day was at Kappa. And my friend Stella Winter, who's now the rush chair, brought me in and she sat me down and we talked. And they say stories and there's girls that sing and then they say really heartwarming, like also sad stories that kind of catch you off guard because you're like, whoa, this is really intense. It's also really culty, but it's awesome. It's a cult. Oh, absolutely. But I love every second of it. And which I never thought because I'm the farthest thing from a sorority girl you could have ever possibly (laughs) imagined. But um, so Stella brought me in. We talked, had a really great conversation. And I told her, I was like, this is where I want to see myself. I want to open up my bid card tomorrow and I want it to say Kappa because if it doesn't, I'm going to be really upset. And then, so we talked and then she left and then Lauren came in 
And I told Lauren, I was like, okay, Lauren, I better see you tomorrow. Like, this is what like I want to do. you knew you wanted to be a Kappa. Yeah. But you also knew Lauren, and Lauren's also from Southern California, who's been on the podcast, and 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 that's why we got to re- keep on refreshing it with, oh, with your rebs. Was she more serious, or was she more of a... So I didn't get to see Lauren until preference. Okay. So that's kind of what they do. They... If you have a girl, if you have a girl that you really want and you have a girl that you are rooting for till the end, they don't let you see her until preference because then once you see her, it's like, so what's going on? You know what I mean? And so I didn't see Lauren until pref. And that's when I told her, I was like, Lauren, like, I want to be here tomorrow. Like, I love Kappa. Like, it's awesome. Like, I've met really cool people. And she just like sat there and was like, thank God. (laughs) And was like so happy. But it was more of like a mutual happy because it's like, I'm happy that I found my people, but she's also happy I found my absolutely. people. Absolutely. And you have to be happy for, like, I have a couple girls coming through that I absolutely love. And obviously, like, no matter what they go, it's, I'm going to be happy for them because they found their people. And that's like the best part, but the hardest part of Rush is you might love one house going into it, but your perspective will change completely through the entire thing. But no matter what, let's say you have someone you know in a house already and you go a different house, no matter what, that person is going to be happy for you. You need to make the decision for yourself and not for anyone else. Great advice. And at the end of the day, be open-minded and you're going to be friends with everybody. It's a community. Absolutely. absolutely. Right? You see everyone everywhere and it's not like they're not going to come up to you and say Ooh. hi or you're not going to see them when you go out. Like You're not a fee, so I can't talk to you. Yeah, seriously. Let's talk about your living arrangements. Did you live in the dorms? Your freshman year? I did. So I lived in um, the dorm called Martin Hall my freshman year. And was that place disgusting? Paint the picture of how nasty it was. It wasn't that bad, but it was just really gross. I was surprised because I thought like the guys dorms would have been grosser. Because like, I think guys like are not as clean. Girls are so gross. Thank you. Girls are dirty. So dirty. And I was like, I didn't notice I was a clean freak until I moved into this building. So like how, paint the picture, how dirty are they? Oh my gosh. The horror stories of the bathroom. So we have a cleaning lady that came every morning. Her name was Miss Tamika. She would come every morning at 7 a.m. And I lived like a door down from the bathroom. So I heard her every single morning come in with her music and her cart. And there was a couple mornings, both first and second semester, where... She would walk into the bathroom, scream at the top of her lungs because of just how disgusting it was, and run down the hall and get in the elevator and be like, I'm not doing this today. And I'm like, I don't blame you. The girls were gross. They did the gnarliest stuff. And I was like, how are you guys? Did, were you raised in a barn? I know you're from the middle of Mississippi, but were you actually raised in a barn? Like, it's unreal. I mean, my room was clean every single day. I vacuumed, <laughs> I dusted, I kept it. OCD. OCD. Plus, if you're living in a space as small as a dorm with another person and your room is messy, that space gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And if you don't keep it clean, you have maybe a foot of room. Did you go in blind with your roommate? Did you recruit her online, like through Facebook or was it someone you knew? I found her on Instagram. So there was this account called Baby Rebs. And it was, like, for all the um, fresh, incoming freshmen. And I was like, okay, I'll, like, submit a post, whatever. It was the stupidest thing I've ever done. And I lucked out because, like, a week later, she was, like, the girl who was running it, she was, like, uh, 10 bucks a post. And I was like, that's 
bizarre. It's never going to pay for a pose. Like, that's so stupid. But, um, I mean, these girls are making bank off of it. But, so I found her on Instagram. And she, like, had DM'd me. And she was like, hey, like, I'm going on Miss 2. Like, I'm looking for a roommate. Would you, like, maybe want to see, like, how this works out? And I was like, yeah, sure. We talked for a while. We were like, okay, want to live together? Like, one day I was just sitting at my friend's house. And I was like, I don't have a roommate yet. And they're like, you probably should do that. We were already Snapchatting. And I go, do you want to just live with me? And she was like, yeah, okay. okay. So basically that's how it happened. And then we met at orientation. I skipped my high school prom to go to Oxford for, for orientation. Really? Yeah. I don't really care. Okay. I mean, I'm not like the dance person. So I was like, I'd rather go to my college town, meet my roommate. Friends for life. Absolutely. Now, what is she? She went FIMU. So she went See? Southern House. But she's from Pensacola, Florida. And she has a bunch of um, FIMU friends. So that's kind of like they swooped her up and like that's how, kind of like how she went through it. But she was the coolest roommate ever. She like she's one of my best friends. Like she rocks. She just overall coolest girl ever. So let's talk about Jeeds because not everybody goes Greek. Mm -hmm. Not everyone goes in a fraternity or sorority. People that are listening might say, hey, well, what about me? Because only 20 percent of undergrads are in the Greek system. Mm -hmm. So living in the nasty dorm that you lived in, mm -hmm. did you meet some just, I don't want to say normal, but people that weren't in the Greek system that are now your friends that still do things with you or do you stay in your community? It's kind of a mix. So I mostly stay with girls like that are in Kappa or like in the Greek life because I have friends in all houses, which I find super important that you do because you don't want to just stay in your PC. Like but um, I met a couple girls that are GDIs that don't have any affiliation with Greek life. And they, they're super cool. I mean, I don't really see them out as much, but they're awesome. I mean, I've met some of my friends' roommates were GDIs. Some of, like, it just, it was all across the board. And, like, I met cool people because of it. But, and a, a lot of guys don't rush, too, which is really, it's super normal not to. Like, it's not a, you have to rush, you have to do this, like. It's just like, you do whatever you want. Let's talk about game day, the Grove, because it's one of the most amazing places to have a tailgate because you would never even know because you just walk through it during the week and then all of a sudden Friday starts coming around and then Saturday in the fall, then there's chandeliers, people are in their little Southern dresses and their mm -hmm. boots and everyone's all dolled up. And then I think in the fraternity and sororities, you go to the game like all dressed up. All dressed up. So pledges have to wear um, suit, a full suit and tie and they're not allowed to take their jackets off. And they have to wear their nice, their nice, not dress shoes. They have to wear their nice boots, their nice cowboy boots. And it's 95 degrees and 100% humidity. These guys are in full suit and tie. Sweating bullets. Sweating like no tomorrow. And all the girls are in their dresses, high heels, in their boots, like all dressed up, all dolled up. The Grove is absolutely unlike any other thing I've ever seen in my life. But Fridays... Like, the prep that goes into the Grove is insane. So, Friday, they call it Trash Can Friday, and they set out all the trash cans in the Grove, and there's hundreds, like, hundreds of trash cans. And so, the prep for, like, setting up tents doesn't start until about 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, and these companies come in. They're, like, legitimate party companies. They come in with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tents and they set them up all throughout the night and they're not done until like eight in the morning and then depending on when the game starts that's when people come rolling in people come in so early depending on like an eight 
uh, 11 a.m. game, I would be fully dressed, ready for the Grove. By 9 a.m., we'd be walking to the Grove. It's like Christmas waking up in Oxford on game days. Absolutely. Absolutely. You wake up and you go, what the hell am I going to wear today? Because you're like, am I going to be dripping in sweat? Am I going to be freezing? Because sometimes it gets really cold in November. So it just depends. So are you partying in the fraternity houses before the Grove or talk to talk about the pre-gaming and the so drinking? So pre-gaming would usually be, what do you mean? I don't drink. I'm a good kid. You are. <laughs> um, anyways, no, pre-gaming would start usually off-campus houses or just like wherever you are. Fraternities don't really have pre-games at their houses just because they have to get it signed off with the school since... The houses are so nice. Like we rarely have fraternity parties because the houses are too nice to have them in, and they barely it's get the signed south. Off. They're gr- beautiful, it's insane. A bunch of them look like old retirement homes, like big grand homes. But it just depends. Like when I would go with my guy friends that were ATOs in the beginning of ball season, they would have the pregames at the house, and then we'd walk to the Grove since it was really close. But if I was going, like we had game day dates. So every game day or the week leading up, a pledge would have from whichever house would have to ask you to be their game day date and they would get you your drinks all day. They would get you whatever you needed. Like you were with them all day long. You have to sit at the game with them too? Mm-hmm. But the thing is they have to go to the game early to save seats for actives. So they have to go like an hour early and like get a section like closed off. All right. Those of you so that want to rush in the South, you're going to be sweating bullets. Sweating bullets get- in the vault waiting for like an hour and a half before the game for your active to show up. And you can't even drink as a, as a pledge. You can, but there's certain rules. So a couple of my guy friends weren't allowed to have ice in their drink. So they'd have to have like a warm drink. That's nasty. Or you can't have hard alcohol. You can't have liquor. You can only have beer. Warm beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be cold, but. Got it. It can't have ice in it which why would you put ice in beer anyways? But it was, it, the rules are so funny, but it's very like you stick to it. And did you stay for the entire game or did you like walk in and just go halftime and then dip? Certain games. So I stayed for basically the whole game. Most of our home games, we had like, tw- I want to say 12 home games last year. No, you didn't because there's only 12 games in a year and there's only five, five was home it, what, games. Seven home games? Something they usually like have five or six. Last year we had a lot, something like that. But um, I'd stay for most of them. And then the games where it was just like a complete blowout, we'd leave, we'd go back to our rooms, we'd shower, we'd change, and then we'd hit the town. All right. So let's talk about town because I, I, I let's see, maybe they're the same places where Lauren Richter hangs out. But where are the underclassmen going out drinking? If Because I know there's fake IDs out there. So where are the hangouts? So for freshmen, I kind of stopped going to the freshman bars after first semester because I was like, this sucks. But freshman-wise, there's Roosters. These are like the designated freshman bars. It's just kind of like known. So it's Roosters. It's Annex because that's an 18 and up bar because you can show your 18 ID and get in. There's Tango's. And then there's, that's really it for freshmen. Got it. So you have three designated bars. And they're pretty, pretty lenient because some are, they're just yeah. 18 over IDs or some of them are It's fake. just, just Annex is 18 over, but the other places. So the thing about Oxford that is different than other college towns 
is the bars require an ID that is scannable with a federal scanner. So that's, they make it harder for the kids to get into the bars because of that reason. But that's why these freshman bars are freshman bars because they use the apps that scan, which is just like a why bother. Like literally I could pull out my library card and they'd be like, okay, you're in. It's fine. Did you know my Julia was a bouncer the other day? Oh yeah. I saw it all. (laughs) I saw it all. They don't even know what they're looking for. No. <laughs> I'd have to ID at Bear Flag when I worked there. What, what did I'd you look s- for? I'd look at the picture and then I'd look at the quality of the lamination. It's the picture. It's all about the photo. Oh, it's absolutely. And then like I had, I had an ID because the Illinois IDs, they scan in Oxford. So when I was working at Bear Flag, a couple kids would come in and they would be like, oh, can I get a Pacifico or can I get this? And I'd be like, okay, like, can I see your ID? Because they wouldn't be with a parent. And they would show me their ID. And I'd be like, okay. What did you say to them? I mean, I, was, I wasn't, like, in the mood to deal with it. So I was like, okay. I turn around to one of my coworkers, and I was like, I literally have that ID in my wallet right now. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not a good one. It's not good at all. Like, you're not tricking anyone. Like, what, is, what, what are you trying to get at? Because it's not working. But it's funny because they work in Oxford, but then they started not working at the end of this past spring semester. But um, yeah, it's funny. Now, and then, so you stopped hanging out at the freshman bars. Where do you hang out as a, well, shoot, you were a freshman spring semester or where are you going to be hanging out now? Or where do the upperclassmen hang out? So sophomores really hang out at like this place called Round Table, which is another bar. Rafters, which is um, Round Table and Rafters are upstairs bars. And then um, there's also Harrison's Yard or just Harrison's. Harrison's is super fun. Mostly go there, rafters, maybe round table. I'm not really a fan of that place. It's just kind of gross. But yeah, mostly those bars. And then juniors and seniors go to um, Funky's, which is this pizza place. And that's like now it's a bar because it's a daiquiri bar. It's super awesome. Their best drink is, it's called a skinny bitch. And it's my favorite thing ever. Skinny bitch. Go to Funky's. Go to Funky's and get a skinny bitch. So when Tom and Carol are in town, where are they taking you and your Kappa friends to dinner? To dinner? Oh, we go to Lenora's, which is this Italian place, which is so good. Um, city grocery. They're, I, when I'm bringing them in, I'm mooching. Like they're taking me to the nice restaurants. You're going, that's what I'm saying. You want to go to the nice places. Bring me somewhere nice. Pay for my meal so I don't have to. So it's Lenora's. Lenora's, city grocery, um, the chop house, which is a steakhouse right in the square, which is super good. And then, um, I mean, there's McEwen's, which is really good. That's another steakhouse. They're all just like. The places I'm taking or they're taking me is places I wouldn't go to normally. Right. Well, like when we go into Madison or Seattle, we go to the nice places mm-hmm. and we take Julia and Sophia and all their friends. Yeah. Right. I mean, my and parents you, came recently. They brought us to Lenora's. And you pack them nice. in. Like, how oh, many? Oh, yeah. Julia, bring like four or six of your friends, if not more. Yeah. And they're always like, we're going to Lenora's. Yeah. Yeah. I'm coming. And then does it get reciprocated? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But the funny thing is, is my parents come once a semester their parents come once a, a month. Oh, once a month? Oh. They're all, all from the South. Yeah, they all drive. Six-hour drive, that's nothing for them. It's just, oh, it's around the corner. Late night 
munchies, where are you going? Favorite place? Chicken on a stick. And what are you getting? Chicken on a stick. That's the, that's all they have? So it's, it's. Chicken on a stick. <laughs> so what it is, is there's two um, Chevron stations at the corner of each of the square. So there's the north end and the south end of the square. And both of the Chevrons are old as dirt. And they both have these full bars of food in them. And they're run by these like old women that have lived in Oxford their whole lives and they serve, they'll give you okra or they'll give you like a chicken biscuit or they'll give you like a full meal to go. But you go late at night and they have chicken on a stick, which is this giant chicken tender put on a stick, fried, and then given to you. But it's not like a normal like ground chicken chicken stick. Like you're basically getting a whole chicken. You're going to need to send me a photo next time you have chicken on a stick. Oh, I have multiple in my phone. Hungover. Where are you and your girls having, should I say, breakfast, brunch, or lunch? It's more like middle of the day, like 3 o'clock, when we finally get our shit together and get out. But we go to this place called First Watch if we make it on time. First Watch closes at 3. So we have to make it on time to get there. You go, biscuits and gravy. Or... Oh, that sounds so good, Julia. so good. It cures anything. Like anything or there's big bad breakfast which is right off the square so good their biscuits and gravy are better than anyone i've ever had but that's usually what we'll do or chicken on a stick again in the morning student union or anywhere on campus where's your favorite place to eat favorite place to eat Mm, i like the union but i can't really eat there anymore um because i got really sick of it really fast and their chick-fil-a sucks now they got rid of the grilled nuggets. They got rid of the salad. They got rid of the sandwiches. And now all they have is just the fried nuggets and fries. It's like, what's the point of that? There's the Panda Express in there, which I just not a fan of. They just put a blends bowls in, which is like a bonsai, which is super, super cool. Um, it's good, but it's not bonsai. It doesn't compare. And then there's uh, McAllister's, which is like a sandwich place up above. That place is good. I usually get salads from there. But I mostly eat all my meals on campus at Kappa, like at the house. Because they serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Just during the week, though, not on the weekends, not on, right? So all throughout the week, except Fridays, they serve lunch and then not dinner. And then Saturday and Sunday, you're on your own. Oh, and you'd be on your own anyways because you're out and about. Exactly. What floor, if any floor, are you hanging out when you study in the library? I think I only went to the library during finals week. Juju! I did all my studying at Kappa! <laughs> We have plenty of study rooms. Well, at least you visited once. I was going to ask, like, how many times have you frequented frequented the library? Because, you know, certain floors are for socializing. Mm-hmm. Some are more studying. Some was the Greek uh, fraternities and sororities hanging mm-hmm. out. So it's mostly, like, the floor that you can actually, like, talk on. But, like, I don't This know is, like, the we- third siren oh, yeah. that we've had. So we like the... The uh, ambiance and the atmosphere being out here on the balcony of Newport Beach, but you've probably heard more sirens in the last 30 minutes than you have in Oxford in one. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've seen, I see sirens. I don't hear them. They just put the lights on. <laughs> like, oh, too much work. Too much work to do the sirens. So what advice would you give a high school senior thinking about colleges or even, we'll start with that. Like, if you had to do it all over again, what would you have done differently? What advice would you give them? If I did things differently, I would say I'd visit more than once just so you get a better understanding. I was there for less than 24 hours. 
and I made my decision, yeah, it's like a love at first sight thing. And it's like a feeling thing. But also you have to make sure that feeling's correct. I lucked out. If I didn't have like the coolest place in the universe to go to school, oh my God, I'd be miserable. But definitely go more than once. But if I were to not do things differently, I wouldn't have applied to more schools. I applied to the perfect amount and I was set on it and it made decision making a lot easier. I agree 100%. And you were test optional and you didn't go through that stress. Let's talk about the parents because there's some tiger parents out there that Mm -hmm. hover and put so much pressure on students. What advice would you give parents that have a kid going through this process? Because I don't know how Tom and Kara wore. They're probably, I could see him being kicked back. And, and oh, I'm the last of four. So at this point, they're like, just, you're like, they're going to sit by me. They're going to support me. Absolutely. But they're like, do what's best for you. Do your own thing. It's, it's, your, it's your journey. You do what you want to do and we'll support you. But what I say for parents and if they have a kid going through this process is to give them the support at a distance. Hovering your kid is probably the hardest thing for them because it makes the guilt a lot more intense. If you have a kid wanting to go to an out-of-state school that is farther and you're guilting them or you're hovering them, that's like, oh, it's so far. Like, I'm never going to see you. Don't put your kid in the situation where they're making the decision for the parent and not themselves. You hear that? Because I hear so many parents like, that's so far. Like, why did Julia go to Madison or why did Sophia go? Well, Washington's not as far, Mm -hmm. but like, why are you visiting colleges so far away? Like, dude, you only live once and you go to school four years out of your life. You're in Oxford for four years. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like another thing that I have to say about going to school so far away and appreciating letting my parents like, or having my parents let me go so far is coming home makes me appreciate home so much more. I am like, we are so lucky to live where we live compared to like where my friends live. They live in like the middle of landlocked in Mississippi. And it makes me appreciate not only coming home, but appreciate seeing the rest of the country in a totally independent, different way. And if my parents didn't push me to go do my own thing and figure out whatever I want to do, then I wouldn't be in this situation. I wouldn't have the appreciation and the gratitude for the rest of the way people live than I do now. It's just very important to give your kid the space and the encouragement, but also be like, be there for your kid, but at a distance, let them figure it out for themselves. That's what independence is. That's what growing up is. is You're going to support them. You're going to be there for them, but you need to let them figure out, make mistakes, figure out what works for them and let them do it on their own. The Rebs just won the national championship for baseball. Have you experienced a baseball game? I have. I've been to Swayze a couple times. Have you experienced the beer showers, the home runs in right field? Multiple times. So why don't you tell my audience, because they might love baseball, or they might like baseball more than football, but experience a beer shower. So a beer shower is, so the student section's on, I want to say left field. and or Right field. Right field. Left field is the kids' playground. 
Don't ask me why I know that. But anyways, I like to go to the playground. But um, so right field, all of the student section, the important part is, is like whenever, most of the time, stadium's packed. Swayze's always packed, no matter what the game is. But when whoever it is hits a home run, mostly Tim Elko, hits a home run, student section takes whatever drink you have in your hand, and it's, it's in the air. It's up. You're getting soaked head to toe in the stickiest, most random drinks you could possibly think of. But it's the best feeling because you get goosebumps. Like, back of your neck gets the chills. Like, it is the coolest thing you've ever experienced. See, I want to go to Oxford for a baseball game before I go to a football game just to experience the beer shower. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right. So we're going to end. I don't know. See, your Kappa sister, Lauren, mm -hmm. and Grace, they did the hottie toddy. Do you, do you want to end with the hottie toddy? The full? You could do like just the first part of it. The hottie Are you ready? Yes. I, I'm going to need you to say it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of pressure, isn't yeah. it? It's a lot of pressure. Uh, they, because they go into it like, are It's the, are you, you ready? ready? Hell yeah. yeah. Damn Dance right. Day. Hotty toddy, gosh almighty, who the hell are we? Hey, flim, flam, bim, bam, old miss by damn. And then everyone goes crazy. There you go. Julia Noya, Reb, entering her sophomore year, joining us on the student manager, helping high school students and parents with the college search and admission process, selling everybody on Oxford and why to go to the SEC. Yeah, come to come to Oxford, experience the rest of the country. Fonger News, out.